0: Panzercrush.com
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. I am your host, Chris Eaton. Well, pandemics be damned. Uh, We have lost out much this summer. As I am recording this, I should should have been at the San Diego Comic Con, standing under the sales pavilion on the top floor, enjoying the post-masquerade rave, uh, where you can watch a dude in an inflatable T-Rex costume with a lightsaber. A girl dressed like Melina with a glow stick and a dude dressed like Freakazoid, all dancing to the Humpty Dance right now with about you know 300 other nerds to the point that they shake the foundation of the convention center. God, there's nothing like it, people. And uh, this is the first time in 26 years I've missed a Comic Con, and it's a little, it's a little. It's a little sad. It's a little uh, heartbreaking. Um, you know, this is usually the time of year where, you know, we ga- we nerds gather. We enjoy each other's company. We spend money that we should not be, be spending. But uh, it is what it is. And not only was Comic-Con a victim of this uh, pandemic, so was G-Fest, um, which would have taken place two weeks ago from this date that I am recording. Well... Someone decided that, no, no, this year shall not go by without some sort of gathering of kaiju nerds. There's, We have to do something. So Kyle, from the Kaiju cast, decided to pull an 11th hour Hail Mary and throw together an online convention called KaijuConline. Trying to recreate as best as he can the wonder and excitement of uh, G-Fest. And you know what? I say it was a wild success. There were a ton of people who have never had the opportunity to visit G Fest in Chicago that for the first time ever got a tiny taste of what G Fest is about. And that's all due to that's due to Kyle. That's thanks to Kyle. He took the ball and he ran with it. And he asked Jessica and I to do a panel. And we were more than delighted to be even asked. So what you're going to listen to right now is our Dark Horse Gamera retrospective that we did. We had closed out the show. We were the very last panel of the entire weekend. And Jessica and I uh, waxed poetic about the oddball history of Gamera's solo North American comic run. Uh, put out by the good people at Dark Horse Comics. This was in the middle of their Godzilla run. And they decided to do a four-issue miniseries around Gamera who had only just come back a year prior and still had no no North American release. ADV had, I think, just acquired the film rights and hadn't even been released in theater yet. But they decided, Dark Horse, to release a four-issue miniseries that was essentially a sequel to Gamma Guarding the Universe, even though when it came out, Gamma 2 was already, you know, prepping for release. So... It's an, a bit of an oddball and bit you know a bit of a weird point in history. This you gotta remember, if you weren't around in the nineties, any port in a storm, we took everything. An eleven year old Chris was like, There's there's a gamma comic, I'll take it. I I don't care. I don't I whatever I can get. I had the Dark Horse comics and I had the Tremmasters toys, and that was all we had officially licensed. That was it. That was everything. So these books have not been uh collected into a trade ever, until now, if you have purchased the Arrow Gamma set that is uh, due for release about two weeks from this time, from the time I released this uh, DVD, so uh, mid-August, one of the bonus features is a graphic novel. And it's not digital, it's the physical graphic novel, and you will get all four of these books, along with Matt Frank's um, comic that he released, I believe it was at... One, like a Wonderfest or something? I don't I don't remember entirely. But that is part of the bonus features. And for a lot of people, this will be the first time ever they have truly read and held in their hands this comic. And it is interesting to say the less. And uh, you're going to hear Jessica and I wax on about that for the next hour. So, what you're going to hear is uh, the opening of the panel that Kyle had created... You'll hear Jessica and Kyle, and then I'm going to hop in, and then we're going to run from there. So, again, I want to thank Kyle for putting this on and inviting us. And to the point that he opened my eyes to a better way of just recording this stuff and doing things. Like, he technically showed me, like, the yellow brick road of how, you know, the stuff that we have just kind of have plans for now that you'll be seeing a lot more let's just say live content on our on our Facebook page as well as long as as long as well as this podcast. So without further ado, I'm gonna pitch it over to Pass, Chris, Jessica, and Kyle, and you guys enjoy our walk down memory lane with the Dark Horse Gammer Books.
2: How is everybody? Thank you for joining our panel. So Chris, how are you? Oh no, can you hear me? Is he- <laughs> so everybody, this is actually the Kaiju Kingdom podcast panel as a retrospective for Dark Horse. I am actually going to private message Chris to see if his mic is on to see if he can be able to see everything.
0: And so, while you're doing that, Jessica, I might as well just step in real quick and, no uh, and see if we can, I'll just be Chris's uh, Chris's replacement here for you. So we're going to talk about gamma Comics, huh?
2: Yes, we are. Look at me trying to like double duty speaking with you and then also texting him.
0: That's but, because you're a pro girl.
2: Oh, God. No, I try. <laughs> Look, this is amazing. We already got like a bunch of live life comments. Although most people are quite excited to see you, Kyle. (laughs) <laughs> they just said, "Hey, Kyle, how are you doing?" And I well, was like,
0: "Well, these are my people. They've been, mm-hmm. they've been the, they've been the attendees of Kaiju Con line and awesome people all weekend, watching panels, having fun. I got a bunch of people messaging me about stuff they actually bought. So the whole thing, yes. really gives me yes. good like convention vibes, and it just makes me really happy. So. There was
1: yeah. a thread on Twitter that I was reading before uh, I sat down that is just, if you go to it, like your head is just gonna go." <laughs>
0: like I don't need that I don't need that <laughs> Okay, so Why don't you go ahead and do a share screen for me So we can make sure we're all good to go And yeah. then uh, I, Now that these lovely people have seen the intro video <laughs> Yeah, they've cool. already seen enough of me. It's time to see the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: No, nothing against
0: you. You're but you're
2: doing... always you're always yeah. welcome back in. Yes. Thanks, Kyle. Guys. You're always welcome. <laughs> in
0: there whenever. There we go. All right, you guys are good to go. So I will yeah. see you later. I, I will come back at the very end for the viewers to say thank you and all that stuff. And that that will be it for the night. And uh, enjoy the Kaiju Kingdom podcast and Kaiju Con live. Yay!
2: Yay! That's wonderful. Also, Chris, is it possible to make that l- slightly larger? not just see. for the viewers, but because I am a glasses wearing person? Oh my yes. gosh, is that full screen?
1: That is full screen. That is <laughs> great.
2: Thank you for everyone's patience who's tuning in right now also i I apologize for the reflection of my glasses. This is just how it's gonna be y'all. so
1: so but, for yay. those who don't for those who don't know. We are the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast, I am Chris and of course, this is...
2: Jessica saying hi!
1: So, our panel today is going to be on the oddity that is the Dark Horse Comics Gamma Limited series, uh, released back in 1996, and <laughs> it is a direct sequel to Gamma Guardian of the Universe, but there's yeah. stuff to go into with that, and uh, since comics are Jessica's... Uh, field of profession and her, her first love, if you will. Uh, we're going to delve deep into this with, uh, you know, our... I'm sorry, I kind of... I, I drew a blank. I've been working all day.
2: Yes. But, and hi Venom75! Yay! Thank you for subscribing to our podcast.
1: I've been, uh, take it to There we go. Yes. Am I there? Can you see me? Okay.
2: Yes. It's okay. It's okay. We're all... For all those who maybe are be tuning in overseas, a lot of us are still shelter in place and everyone's using the Internet. So there might be in and outs. But then you'll hear me rambling.
1: Yeah, that's fine. I'll,
2: I'll, 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 I'll just continue the flow.
1: <laughs> so but let's yeah. start, Jessica. OK. Dark Horse Gamera. Where? OK, first off, let's 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 get the people perspective of what was going on at the time. It's 1996. Dark Horse is in the middle of their Godzilla run, and where's Dark Horse at this point yes. in their their history at this in the mid 90s?
2: Yes. Previously, it was Marvel. Mhm. So it was Godzilla now. Um, now as in the 90s, not now as in 2020. And they also felt that it'd be a good time to bring another super monster, as I would like to call it, into American comics. So that's how we got. Gamera, and also very quickly, we're going to read, we're going to do shout-outs, we're going to read comments from time to time. So if our eyes are dropping off to the side, we're just reading and saying hi to you all. Uh, and yeah, so they did it. But with Godzilla, Toho had a little bit more, I want to say creative control. So you, they were only allowed to use certain kaijus. But with Gamera, they were allowed to delve deep and use all of the kaijus that were... Seen on up live action point. up to that point, yes. up to that point. And what we got was an interesting four issue story arc mm-hmm. that felt like, I'm not going to name which Spider-Man film because we're all allowed to like what we like, but it feels like you were trying to smash in too many villains and storylines into a limited amount of time. So sometimes that's for people, sometimes, sometimes it's for people, sometimes it's not for people. I don't know. It's up to you. Mm. But for me, it felt like I was watching a specific Spider-Man story and I was just introduced to 80 characters at once. I mm-hmm. didn't even know. Also, the first time I read it was a child. So when you're a child, you don't always get it as quickly as when you're rereading it as an adult.
1: The rose-colored glasses are at their biggest at that point. Exactly. Like, Jessica, if, if if they were like Jessica's glasses, they would be the size of uh of, of like those New Year's glasses with, with the years on them. That's how big that was when you go back. When I was a kid reading this thing, I remember picking it up and being so excited. I'm like, oh, my God, camera. And then you pick it up and go through like, oh, this is awesome. And then you go back. 20-some, almost 25 years later, and you're like, the 90s were an interesting time. We'll just put it that way for comic books.
2: Yes, it it was. It felt, you know, even though it was done in the Mm mid-90s, it felt early 90s, like late 80s. I don't know Mm -hmm. how to to say it. Hi, Pete Quint. Uh, And it felt kind of, I think as a child, I had to read it twice to Mm -hmm. get it. And then, as an adult, luckily, I only read it once. But, like, Mm -hmm. rereading it once. But the overall... There was, like, five storylines going on. There was a... There was a love... A tragic love story in the background. Just to let you know, there's all spoilers. Uh, There was a tragic love story in the background, along with monsters. I don't... I don't know how to... Let's
1: let's break this down for a minute. Okay. So, 1996. Mm -hmm. uh, We are... A year out from Gamma Guardian Universe, which is yes. the title of this book takes it from, yes. uh, has not seen a U.S. release yet. ADV would not release that, I believe, until mm-hmm. the end of the middle of '97, from yes. what my notes were. What my notes yes. say. I mean, I it's that that area yes. gets a little fuzzy for me.
2: Yes. See, the issue is like when they had Godzilla comics, the movies are already out, mm-hmm. so you have some sort of original medium to tie it back to, just like you know when a film's about to come out and then when you go to a comic book store, it will say this comic series will be a tie-in. Mm-hmm. But you already have previous knowledge of what's going on. Gamera was still relatively new in the United States, so the fact that the timing wasn't really correct, no. it, it gave, and there was a whole toy series, right, on the side. Yeah,
1: Trendmasters at the Train, same time. Trendmasters. Yeah,
2: you don't necessarily have the the knowledge beforehand of what you're buying and going into also you look you're familiar with godzilla Mm. as like a giant dinosaur for children who may have its first impression all you see is a giant turtle and i still remember as a kid i had to explain to my friends that it's two different people well two different creatures kaijus Mm -hmm. and they are in two different companies they are not brothers you know, and it's like a whole, you're not pervy to the knowledge beforehand. So mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to market and advertise for something that you didn't necessarily have any previous knowledge or seen the film. There are other ways people have seen the film, I know. But most Americans would not necessarily have known.
1: Most Americans at that point, even to this point, still haven't seen these movies. It's its kind of shocking. Yes. When I talk to people, they're like, ah, I still haven't watched those 90s films. I'm like... They're the pinnacle of everything we love in in those. This series, however, uh, as much as it, I give it an A for effort and a C in execution. (laughs) Um, Jessica, who's it written by? You got got the books right there.
2: Yes. So it is written by uh, Mike Sellers and the, uh, I'm sorry, it is Dave Chips. The inker is Mike Sellers and the penciler is Mozart. C O U T O, so I don't want to spell it wrong. And I think it
1: was. Can you pronounce it? Codo? Codo?
2: Quota? And you know, one of the issues is you can't always blame the writer. We were not there in the room. Sometimes no. editors make changes, so you can't necessarily yell at a writer and said you produced something that wasn't, at least with my expectations or quality expectations, because mm-hmm. you don't know what the editor said to the writer you don't know what they were told by the studio you don't know like they knew they had four issues going in you know but you we don't always know what goes on behind closed doors so you can't necessarily yell at a writer i mean they they have some responsibility so does the editor
1: well that's the thing but uh chips it's the whole thing chips from from my research i've done he was the head of uh editing the manga um properties that dark horse was picking up at the time dark horse being one of the first to really like i believe if correct me if i'm wrong they were outside of viz like as a mainstream comic company they're the first ones to really like start um translating manga out here they were releasing it in the 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 floppy you know 30 page format before we went to digest size but that was chips's job and i believe he was just handed off gammer for the mere fact it's like you know japanese stuff can you do this
2: yes yes you know because at the time there wasn't always a lot of one there wasn't writers that were also part of the fandom as much Mm -hmm. it's always best to have someone who loves and understands black panther to write and love black panther like mark wade loves and understands captain america he then is chosen to write captain america there's pluses to that
1: Like, you know,
2: like, like, yeah, like you said, with Mm -hmm. Chips, he was kind of given the job and he seemed to understand or know the market from their assumption. (laughs) Sometimes you're just given something because their choices at the time may have been limited.
1: Yes. And here's another thing for perspective at this point. Dark Horse, I believe they were just like two or three years into actually building their own like universe of characters. At that point, they were pretty much a a company known for their licenses. They had Star Wars, uh, most famously, well, most famously Star Wars, because they kept the fandom alive for, I mean, held 20-something years until Marvel took them over. They had Alien, yeah. they had Predator, they had Terminator, they had the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, stuff at the point, and then they were bringing in um, manga at the time, too. And I think uh, for their original stuff, they had just it was like concrete next yeah. man and hellboy most famously
2: yes i got al- the point yeah they have predator and also gi joe yes so those were important things i did notice on the back of this august checklist mm-hmm. uh i apologize i'm trying to i like to act gingerly with my comics so if i rip mm-hmm. your copy chris because my copy is in the storage unit yeah. i will buy you a new one right. uh there was also uh age of reptiles
1: by oh, yes delgado More ricardo delgado's book
2: and just but for those who like other kaiju things. And they also have uh the big guy rusty Oh uh, yeah. The boy robot.
1: The in the giant so that thing yeah. was it's it's it was like picking up like a, a map almost. That's how big that book is.
2: It is huge. It's it's yeah, large mm-hmm. format. It's oversized. Be
1: better than what we're talking about right here. <laughs> it's Miller and Darrow. I mean you're you're gonna yeah. get arguably higher quality. Yeah. And uh, so let's let's go into the story of this um this uh, like little scene comic book. Now the main reason we're talking about this right now is not is because in about a month's time, most of you who have ordered the Gamma box set from Arrow, this will be this mm-hmm. is coming with that box set, and this will be you, a lot of people's first time seeing these books. It turns out these books are not exactly easy to get a hold of anymore. I was kind of uh, browsing eBay the other day, kind of like, okay, well, how easy? It's like 90 bucks for the full set, and I would not pay $90 for these books. They're, they've been in my collection since I was a kid. I love them, but I would not recommend shelling out that money for, for the original issues. So, let's go into the, the story, because here's the difference. So, at the same time, we got Godzilla going on. We're midway through the run in Dark Horse. I think they're, like, on issue 9, issue 10, with Godzilla traveling through time. And it's just Godzilla. They're creating their own monsters. They're they're doing their own thing. Gamera comes in, and it literally is creating a sequel to Gamera Guardian of the Universe. Now, at mm-hmm. the time of this release, Gamera 2 was, I believe, a month away from being released in Japanese cinemas. But it was very clear that when they obtained the license, they had no idea any of that was going on. Mm-hmm. And this story just pretty much... Kind of dull. It's a weird Else world. So you can just leave it at that. And it gives us not only just monsters from the books, but yes. it gives us characters from the actual movie. Yes. Like there are two returning yes. characters from Gamera.
2: Yeah. Um and then, of course, they decided uh his character's name is Lutz. He yes. you want to, in American comics, you want to be able, just like the first. Michael Bay Transformers film with Sam Witwicky. Mm-hmm. you want to have an American character, preferably at the time, a white male, to see the story and experience the story with them. And they knew maybe at the time that having Japanese female lead characters may not connect with an American readership audience as well. So they have a character named Lutz, uh, which through every step of the story, Chris, he reminds me of Lutz from 30 Rock. yes. <laughs> He does nothing mm-hmm. and
1: He fails upwards.
2: He fails upwards, makes mm-hmm. things worse, mm-hmm. and keeps the amulet at the end. So yes. he really doesn't do anything or add anything to the story?
1: No. no. Other and than
2: that, be our perspective.
1: Pretty much. He is he's um Aaron Taylor Johnson's character from Godzilla. <laughs> But Aaron Taylor Johnson's character at least does something where literally Lutz's character. So the the first the opening of the book is we're introduced to um, Lutz and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Sagi from uh, the first camera with the amulet. She's yeah. like, hey, we're in Mexico, we're doing this thing. Yeah. And uh, we find out that there's a, a little side subplot. So we also have the returning i'm sorry i'm mispronouncing her i don't want to mispronounce her character's name um and uh, uh mayumi i believe i pronounced that right the um uh, the lead of the of the first film that discovers the gauss so yeah she's called down to mexico by a I think it was a co- like a, a, a another scientist it was like hey i need your opinion on this bird that i I've caught. And it turns out it's a diabolical plan of of, of the uh abomination sciences. Yeah. And uh we find out that this doctor is actually not who she says she is, and she pulls off a mask, uh Mission Impossible style to reveal <laughs> she is a woman but with blonde hair and like weird dreads and stuff like that. And she's got a uh cartel her husband is a cart a former cartel leader. Yeah. And he used his vast fortune to fund her wacky uh, science experiments, which include cloning a gauss. And that's where our story begins, because said gauss has gotten loose, and they need her help to, like, we need to kind of rein this thing in and uh, get it back, because it's kind of expensive.
2: Yeah, it was... Yeah, you're right. It was like a Mission Impossible, Black Widow, end of Civil War reveal, Mm -hmm. where they just took off and she went from a totally different woman that was brunette to a beautiful blonde Other and people I was... too.
1: they drew her very homely very homely homely,
2: homely was a good good descriptor good adjective mm-hmm. um yeah and she actually throughout the story she had like they talk about how her husband and her had met she was a mm-hmm. different person then as she became more and more obsessed with creating the creatures mm-hmm. You know, Which, they made even she had beautiful flowing blonde hair. You were talking about the dreads mm-hmm. because they were kind of mentally linked. They well, kind of gave we're, her we're yeah skipping,
1: yeah we're skipping a little bit ahead let's, we're let's, skipping
2: ahead okay I thought we're talking about the whole story
1: <laughs> yeah yeah we are we are but let's let's kind of keep a let, we're trying to keep a, a timeline so we don't lose people so we get the introduction so Lutz is with Asagi and this gauss starts attacking this small little village in Mexico. Yes. And uh, Lutz and Asagi are in a plane when she pulls out the amulet and summons Gammer, who shows up. And at the end of the first issue, we get this big throwdown. And uh, I got a. You have a I clip a, of it. A little clip right here. Let me see if I can find it. Yep, yeah, jumping ahead. Sorry. I thought I. There we go. So that'll give you a good look at uh the models aren't exactly on point but you get the idea this is prime 90s like you want a job man you want to draw comics you gotta you gotta earn your papers here so uh you're gonna have to draw some monsters that uh you know make them look as closely as possible to the uh to the to the movie version yes and this is how issue one essentially ends we get this big uh fight between gamma and gauss in mexico and you're like oh cool so we're if you know, if you're like me, you bought the bootleg at this point of the movie because mm-hmm. there was no other way you can get it. You went to a convention and paid 20 bucks to a CD dealer. And uh, so you're like, oh, cool, they're doing this. If you're completely new to it, had no idea. Like, this is the only thing, you, only from a reference to gals you have is from Mystery Science Theater at this point. And uh, they, again, they they treat the monster mayhem stuff pretty straightforward. It's. All done with a sense of fun, but there's also like a sense of urgency. And unlike the Godzilla comics, they're allowed to show a little more gore and a little more destruction, uh, much like the Gamma movies themselves did, like all the way through. In fact, uh, I think I got that panel. Next. By the I... way,
2: at this point, Lutz allows there we go. her to just go out by herself with the amulet. Yes. Because and Lutz I... is useless.
1: So it's after this battle, I believe it's where the story literally dumps Asagi to the side. Like, she just disappears. Yep. And Lutz now has the amulets. Yep. And it, then we get into shenanigans, and where the story really is like, all right, we're going in our own direction. That's where we're introduced to uh, the other experiments that... Uh, the lady scientist is uh, creating and the main one is virus the yes tentacle monster who has a psychic connection with our uh, with our protagonist or with our antagonist because she's been in- taking her own spinal fluid and inserting it into virus as part of her experiments in having a sort of connection similar to how Gamera and asagi had yes. except without no like form of uh you know like a device to communicate through
2: yeah. And I will say as well, you said earlier Let's has the amulet. He took it from her. Mm-hmm. He wasn't gifted it any he, he sucks. I'm gonna keep crapping on this guy.
1: He's a bastard. He's a real bastard. Like he's not lovable for He's played as an, he's kind of played as an idiot too. Like there's at no point this character's redeemable in any sort of way. He's an idiot. <laughs> he fails upwards. And oh, you're gosh. kind of like, how are you even surviving in this? At least in Godzilla, Aaron Taylor, Johnson's character, was a trained soldier. Like, he yes. has yes. used this. They allude they yes. that Lutz was, like, running from, like, gambling debts. And he's a shyster and a huckster. And all of a sudden, he's just thrown into the middle of this giant monster stuff. Yes. So, yes. while Lutz is now like, oh, I can kind of control a giant turtle now, uh, we get... An even weirder it, this, this is where this the story, these four issues really blow your mind because let's do a subplot in the middle of these yeah. very limited yeah. room we have. Yeah. And they introduce Zegra.
2: Yep. Yes.
1: Let me say it.
2: I'm here. looking at like my crazy notes that I have down. Yeah, they do. They do. And it kind of kinda comes out of nowhere. So if you're not familiar or you are a younger child and you're just trying to read it, it seems like they just introduced a character out of nowhere with no background. It's a little bit – it's jarring if mm-hmm. you are really in focused into the story.
1: And not only that, there's there's no setup. He just shows up magically. Like he just appears. And Gamera and Zigra have this fight that lasts the second half of issue two into the first half – Of issue three. And it's around that point that not only are we just booting characters out, we're also randomly introducing characters. So this isn't Tolkien where it's like halfway through, you know, here's a new character that's gonna be super important to the plot. It's just let's shove this in because I think hey, there was aliens in this movie too. We're introduced to this bounty hunter that speaks in a wacky made-up language it almost reads like the dinotopia language that they created remember how you had the key yes. in the back
2: yes i was gonna say not only are we introduced to Frenchman mm-hmm. uh when let's get captured when he's almost drowning we also i don't know if chris could have it but there's a language that's spoken like a code Yes. And it was made so it was a lot more interactive with the readers. So you you have have... something to do between the next issue. You could decode it and figure out what she was saying.
1: And 12-year-old Chris did just that. (laughs) I sat there for a half hour. Ah, You
2: sat there. Yes.
1: There's two whole panels after Gamera and Zegra fight. Yes. yes, And Gamera defeats Zegra. Shocking spoilers. Um, (laughs) She shows up. And there's this just the giant word bubble that takes up half it felt like it was when you yeah, when yeah. you're writing an essay and you need to fill in, so you're kind of repeating your same points but you're just rewarding them. That's what this felt like comic style. So like where my head is, like right here on the side, word bubble, all that. And they give you a key yes. at the end of the issue, and you sit there and like a decoder ring back in the day, you sit there and you completely translate everything and it's just more corny 90s style dialogue because this book was not very high on the dial it's very apt to like early venom issues that's that's the best way i can compare it. like the real old limited series the venom used to have when you go back and read those you're like yeah they were really aiming these at six-year-olds that's who was buying this stuff and that's kind of where it is it's it's pretty much her like reading like this little thing and she's just like going oh come on to Zebra, be alive because her essentially she says her whole Job depends on Zegra being alive to bring back to whoever, you know, gave her money to bring Zegra back. It's, I think it loaded, like, he's an escaped, like, like prisoner. Yeah. If my memory recalls. And again, this is just all plopped in out of nowhere in the middle of this story. Like, it was just like, we need a filler before we get to our big arc with uh, Verus, who is the... Technically, the true big bad of this storyline. Yes,
2: yes. And then they, they introduced plot C, which is like how they met, mm-hmm. how, how you know, how the scientist and her husband met. And it was like, we didn't really need it, but yeah. here we are, plot Again, C.
1: padding it out. Yeah, just padding out there. We got thirty. We got twenty-two pages. We got to fill along with uh, uh, advertising. We got to pad it out. You gotta get them up. What? What was? What was I'm sorry. You got them right. What was the cover price on these things back then?
2: It was two ninety-five US, four dollars fifteen Canadian.
1: Somehow a hell of a lot has changed in twenty-five years. We've only really gone up like about a buck or two, haven't we? Yeah. Like the average Some issues
2: like are three ninety-nine to four ninety-nine.
1: Yeah. But Unless DC, like yeah,
2: a... DC tried to have a a limit on their pricing when the new 52 mm-hmm. came out and everything, but I was okay with it. I don't know how others felt about it, but there they were. But yes, at that time, we were already at DC prices, mm-hmm. and it was two ninety-five for an issue.
1: So, let me see if I can pull uh, up here. So we're going into the home stretch at the end of issue three which is, okay, so to give, it right here, here's a better image of what our alien hero looks like, or our alien, she, which, again, she does almost next to nothing other than provide. Yes, yeah. Like, pretty much just, like, a, a tactical advantage with her spaceship. Uh, pretty, you know, uh, I believe, let's see, how did it go? So, Lutz, they're tracking down Lutz because he's got the amulet. Yeah. The evil scientist and her husband want the amulet, for Gamma, because Zegra demands it, or not Zegra, I'm sorry, Verus demands it. Verus, yeah. For Verus is grand. They, they do at least leave these elements of the original monsters in there, where Verus was, you know, technically in the original movie, he's an alien, but he's intelligent, he can communicate. Uh, this one, it's, it's, you know, it's artificial intelligence, but he still has plans for world domination, and thus once to use Gamma as like hired muscle, yeah. essentially. Yeah, and we do get to that point where uh, the bad guys get a hold of the amulet, and they use gamma as pretty much a giant shield for uh, for Verus when he goes on his destruction spree, and it, it, it just devolves from there. Um, Verus pretty much just does his rampage. I forgot. Oh, it's the husband, right? He has a change.
2: Yeah, Gulthanas.
1: Yes, he has a change of heart, I believe. <sighs> Where he realizes his wife is completely under control of Virus. And she completely goes that's where that's what we were talking about earlier. The dreads. She starts dreading her hair like an octopus. Like
2: she Viris. looks exactly like Virus. And it reminded mm-hmm. me of uh, you know, Amy Santiago in that episode of Brooklyn nine nine when mm-hmm. she's stressed out, about to take a exam, and she mm-hmm. just braids out her hair. And there are odd wording choices that the writer chooses chips chooses he'll he'll just have guasano say to his wife or partner like also I don't like your hair and she's like, what does this mm-hmm. have to do with anything
1: it's yeah it's it, it just seems like, to
2: fill in empty space
1: yes. like
2: waiting you know like a filler or mm-hmm. a bottle it's like a mini mini bottle episode
1: again it's the the I dialogue
2: a, didn't make any sense
1: I have a twelve thousand word essay I need to write. Let me fill in a couple of paragraphs restating my my same point, but just rewording it just ever so slightly, adding some big words in there so we can get that word count up.
2: Yes. Yes. And then he has odd choice moments, too, with how Lutz interacts with, like, the women. He's very into how they look. One time he falls on top of one and Mm -hmm. says, oh, things are getting better. Mm -hmm. So even if you didn't look to see who wrote it, you kind of knew it was a dude. (laughs) <laughs> and him falling on top of the characters, female characters, have nothing to do with the overall story. No. You know, it doesn't bring, I understand humor, but it doesn't un- bring added humor to the plot. There's,
1: there is some forced humor in there, but it never hits at all. Yes. It, it yes. really feels like a, uh, Yeah, it does read like kind of like a, I don't want to say bad, because here's the thing. It might seem like we're kind of ripping into this book. There is, a, there's still a charm to this book. Like you're sitting there, I, unlike, um, it, I'll put it this way. It is much more in tune with what IDW did with the Godzilla license than what Dark Horse did, where Dark Horse was following certain guidelines and stuff. They, uh, Dai or Kaudokawa at the time gave them pretty much, gave at Dark Horse full carte blanche. Like, you do what you want. And I it, that's why it's still astonishes me that they decided to actually make this a full sequel. Now, they are creating a story from whole cloth. Seagra and Veera do get a brand new origin. You know, you don't really have to watch the other, um, you don't have to watch any of the movies to really understand it. Like, they just, they're there, they establish it, this is what they are, and then we get an awesome monster fight. And the the book does deliver on that. Each issue gives you something like, yes. really needy to get into if you like that kind of stuff.
2: Yes you know Freenan the the alien she speaks like a bumblebee through the radio mm-hmm. just slang that is very hard on We're my not, ears and it's not even a an audio
1: and that's the thing <laughs> when when you decipher her little um her little speech bubbles there is that slang in there so when you're reading it you're like it, uh, I'm sorry am I having a stroke did I did I do that right this doesn't I, these words, I don't understand. Like, like her... She uses, like, weird um, synonyms for cool and all kinds of other stuff. It felt very, uh, like, ham-handed in, in the delivery.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I just realized, Chris, is she female Lutz?
1: Because she just doesn't do anything? She kind of... Well, she's, a, she's actually... I mean, I get it. They're <laughs> trying to make her a little bit like a... a like, she's a little bit like Lobo, but... None of the badassery, really. She has a flying ship that's very yeah. retro, all as you can see in the picture.
2: Like a Zeppelin, <laughs> like a Hindenburg.
1: Yeah, and she actually does, like, she actually has a hand in turning the tide uh, in True. the final fight. So she actually does something. It's like, oh.
2: She actually does something, yeah, like you were saying. Um, especially in that image that you have, she at least
1: okay, runs well, into Varys. Wacky giant monster. There we go.
2: No problem.
1: So, so yeah, and then we get pretty much, you know, the final fight. Let me see if I can find, if I had anything on here? Oh, no, I didn't put it in there. So, um, okay, well, here's a prime example. Okay, so here's our grand hero, everybody. This guy right here, you can see in the top left corner. That is our hero. They draw him like he's a deadbeat dad at a Raiders game. That's what he looks like. (laughs) Like if you pulled up his, if you pulled up his, uh, like if if he ran his background, I'm pretty sure he's got like five tickets in his child support, like a lot of back child support. That's that's our hero. This is what they chose. I mean, this is the company at the time that's given us. Amazing alien comics. We got like Predator, Race War, which was a groundbreaking book. We got oh, Mike McNoll cranking out uh, Hellboy, and this is our hero, everyone. This is. I was this... just
2: reviewing the comics. I without giving any context, I showed what the character looked like to one of my best friends, and he's like, "Oh, he looks like a '90s. He looks like an action." there Yes, I okay. am.
1: Okay, you broke up a little bit. Sorry.
2: Oh no! So sorry. No, no, no. But uh, yeah, I don't know what everybody heard, but no, he's drawn like a typical '90s '90s action hero. Yeah. Maybe not here.
1: Action no, not hero. man. You can't even say anti-hero. Man. You he can't just, even
2: say hero. Yes, yeah, like a like a '90s action man. Without context, you know it's the '90s.
1: He is. He. You know what he's drawn like? He's drawn like um. And I think this predates it, too. He's drawn, like, Nick Cage's character in the middle, like, in uh, <laughs> Con Air. That's what he looks like. And that's what he's kind of drawn like. Oh, my just gosh. Scumbaggy, you know. That, and he does, he's nothing but a scumbag in the whole thing. Like, his attempt at a heroic redemption falls flat. <laughs> it just falls flat. He's just like, well, uh, I prevent it. I guess I kind of help prevent it. Like, he... he yeah. He, 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 I believe... It, I, he even takes it. Uh, I think he takes the credit for, you know, defeating the evil scientist and everything, when he has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with it either.
2: Yeah. Well. Yeah, and he gets knocked out really easily yes. by, like, Guisano. Like, there is nothing... I don't even know why we're following him in this story. I should just follow Gamera. Just follow yeah. the giant turtle. If Y'all, don't, followed, don't follow him.
1: If we followed the protagonist, it would have been even more... Uh, or the antagonist, it would be an even more interesting story. Because it would have literally turned it around, at least if we did from their perspective, like this evil scientist and her and her cartel husband trying to create giant monsters in their secret laboratory down in like Guatemala or somewhere, and you know, Gamma gets what in the way. And that's pretty much it's like you could have done a monster of the week with it. But instead yeah we got we got this. Which is when you read this now, it's like such an odd choice. I kind of I really wish I would have been a fly on the wall for this like pitch meeting. Like, all right, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. So we're going to make a sequel to this movie that very few people in the United States have seen. And we're going to we got used to these other characters, which, by the way, I'm not even sure they even paid for likeness rights or anything like that. But they apparently they got the rights to use them or they just did it. And I just said, who cares? Go ahead. And just went sick. And and he gave us this thing. And yes. it, it's such an oddball. It's such an oddity. It Especially is. Especially when we get to the end of the fourth uh, issue where Gamma and Vera's have this big knockdown drag-out fight. Yeah. And, get, I mean, they there's at least a little bit of the lore they play with where Gamma's fueled by fire and stuff like that. And there's the one character who has the redempti- redemption arc. Yes. Of all people, yes, is the husband.
2: The cartel Guasano, because he ends up taking what they had in the submarine to try to revive or help Gamera. Yeah, because against been, the final, yeah.
1: Gamera's been blasted by military weapons. Yeah. He's he's gotten beaten up, and then once he's freed of um the evil scientist's grasp, like the the she loses the the amulet. Uh, Gamera is pretty much he he's wounded and he starts fighting Vira's. Vira's overpowers him. Uh, I believe she dies. She ends up like either does she kill herself? I'm no, trying her, to remember. I have my my notes, but it's been a second oh the and doctor. A half of she yes.
2: ends up falling off of the uh, she has a Disney
1: villain death. That's right. Yeah, she has and then the she's
2: death. not found. Her body is not no. found uh, because so, her Guasano tries to take the amulet. <laughs> From from her yes years. because Fears like is pretty much
1: in Fears yeah. is it's it's not even her wife anymore anyway. yes. it's Fears it's all yes. it, he's in her head and yeah. throughout the book he at least he's like hey uh I've done some heinous things but should we be really doing this can't we just go sit in one of my private islands and enjoy my ties and are each other's company like there's always that sense of like he's he's like he's hitting on like the ladies it, but
2: he's hitting on the ladies. Uh, Trying yeah, to take
1: the true. easy way out. True. And oh. then, there, there's a very cool spot. There's a very cool moment. That I'll save it for when you guys actually read the book. But his redemption arc is one of the coolest things drawn. The redemption moment is one of the coolest things drawn in this whole book. And uh, I'm not going to spoil that for you guys. I'll leave that for you know when you pick up the uh, the, the DVD set. Um, but it does give Gamera the kind of like... It is kind of like replaying to the end of Gamma 1. When uh, the uh, foundry explodes and he just sucks all the energy back in. Yeah. And then shoots that giant plasma ball.
2: Yeah.
1: It is very akin to that. I'll just leave it at that.
2: Yes. Oh, and I was wrong. When I meant hitting on the ladies, I meant Lutz, not Guisano. Yes. So that dude is devoted to his wife.
1: Yes. For uh, That guy who was also Oof. a scumbag and an actual murderer was far <laughs> more appealing and uh, a nicer guy than our than our hero. Like... <sighs> The, the the POS was I mean, this is the actual hero of the book when you really break it down. That's true because Lutz does nothing.
2: Yeah. That's actually very true. He's actually he's the true MVP of the uh of the of this four issue story arc, which felt like twelve issues jammed into four issues.
1: It very much it very much did. It very much and it left it open in case they were going to do more. Yeah here's the th- Oh, did I just lose it? There we go. So, so here are the colors they used. They, they, they didn't use any original artwork for the cover. They used, they used these Yuji Kaida um, paintings that he did for the original Gamera for artwork for all four of them. here. So, here's issue one. This was issue four, three, and two. Now, when you're a kid, and you pull these up, like, you are like, oh, man, that looks... That looks awesome! And then you open up in the inside and you get...
2: The art's completely different. cover artist and the interior artist is sometimes different, or oftentimes different. It's
1: like the opening of a cartoon compared to the actual episode of the cartoon. (laughs) Especially back in the 80s. You had Thundercats, and then you had Thundercats. So... (laughs)
2: yeah and they always make sure i mean they had a, they had the typo i know the editor in one of the letter sections said i had uh miscredited the a different artist but it always says cover art is by you know like hashimoto like they would say who it is so the cover art's completely different but depending on your store some stores have these in plastic sleeves so you're not mm-hmm. necessarily allowed to open it and then check that's right if if you're if you're like you know is is Sellers and Kudo, the one doing... Like, if you don't know the artist style, that you wouldn't be able to, to know what you're going to get inside. It's like a marketing is, genius bait-and-switch.
1: It is. And it's still to this day. It's like, okay, we're doing this four-issue. Yeah. And at this point, I think... Uh, one By the time this was done, Godzilla pretty much was already winding down. I, If I do recall... The Dark Horse Godzilla was selling well enough that it allowed four more issues to be produced. They were all one-shot issues, right. and then you had Gamma, and then at this point in Japan, Gamma two. By the time this came out, uh, by the time this book finished, has come out. Now, no one in the states in 1996 has seen it yet, unless you traveled directly to Japan, and it'd be months before the Laserdiscs comes out before the you know the bootleggers can make their copies and sell them. So for a while, this was pretty much america's you know introduction to the heisei gamma i mean this predates adv this predates a lot of stuff and it again it just feels weird i i I, it had to been like we got godzilla Gamera's kind of well known enough i mean mystery science theater is still running at this point (laughs) um the gamma movies themselves i at that point are completely out of circulation sans like a rare 3 a.m throw up thrown up on tbs you know, at some point, but for the most part, you're not seeing any of the old Gamma movies on TV anymore. So my age, unless, you know, you're, you know, like me, my dad knew what this stuff was, and it's like, oh, here, here's a Gamma tape. What is this? Ah, it's like, Godzilla, go ahead and watch it. That's the only way you really knew about this character. And Dark Horse was like, let's do it. Let's put more up there. Let's put more out there. Let's let's do this Gamma thing. Uh. Like, this was going to be a big seller, and not at all.
2: It was. It was. And it wasn't really. I noticed in one of the letters in one of the issues, it talked about the current downtrend of the comic book stores at the time and that to please to please purchase comics and Dark Mm -hmm. Horse to help out. So if you know that your industry is not at its strongest, you it's very odd to kind of push a character that a lot of people didn't know if your industry or you want to go with what is most popular that you know that's going to financially bring back what you can back in right so yeah so it was odd to do camera but they were maybe hoping it would be godzilla you know to to, they want every i think every company wants to be known to be the pioneer in that area who brought that character into popularity into that country or that region
1: and but maybe for, they were
2: hoping it was for
1: that. I mean, for every Alien and Predator and Star Wars they picked up, they attempted with Starship Troopers. They attempted with Gamera. They attempted Godzilla. Like, they, they licensed a lot of stuff that never truly took off. Like, they had a few things that really, like, maybe, like, had some, like, cult followings. But beyond that, like, there's they, they did a ton of licensed stuff that... They they, fall, they fell into what I called the Mattel curse, where it's like, we license everything and we can't pick the winner. It all just keeps losing on us. But yeah. at least Dark Horse had, you know, three major Fox properties that were really popping them up. And then they were starting to get a claim with, yeah. you know, like Hellboy and stuff like that. And see, 96, we are, if memory serves me correct, we are like nine months away from Marvel fil- filing bankruptcy, if memory serves correct. I believe that was what mid 1997,
2: around that time.
1: Yes, and the whole industry at that point, Marvel, in, Marvel most most of all, had completely crippled like the comic book industry. I mean, my dad's friend owned a store. That's how I got all these books. And I remember him talking. And I was like, uh, yeah, like there's like 9,000 X-Men books and 5,000 Spider-Man books. It's like no one's buying Captain America anymore. No one's and buying it's, Iron Man.
2: Uh, yeah, and it's Spider-Man Clone Saga when it went through the whole thing and then and then super and then bat superman died and came back it was just like everything is uh, yeah Yeah. batman nightfall and it was like what is happening in the comic book industry gamera
1: i I liked the clone saga by the way i I love ben riley i love the oh my gosh it's a mess it is but it's a mess i will still read i'm just like Ah uh, yes, this is good times. This is this is an it, this is an incomprehensible mess, but whatever. I watch pro wrestling still, so it's like I can deal with that kind of like stupidity. It it felt like oh no, we're changing this, we're changing it's like I don't care. Like I love the look of the Scarlet Spider and I thought Ben was a cool character. So I can forgive so much stupid stuff with that with that whole story line.
2: you know what i outside of that on a bigger scale i liked their crazy covers they had like holographic covers they had superman the death of superman was in a pure black bag mm-hmm. i i some... understand marketing was to get our money and like a true sucker i knowingly took it
1: yeah, We all you did. know
2: and and i liked it i liked the uh the covers and the Holograph to it. See, a part of me wondered if, like, Gamera had metallic sheen or holographic things, would it have sold a little bit more because it was shiny, right? We're all it attracted to shiny things.
1: Yeah, maybe. But then again, you're also you're you're taking a, a super niche at that time. Gamora, by today's standards, is still very niche. Yeah. But you're taking yes. like the niches of the niche. Yes. I mean. At, it, uh, you go any lower and you get like, you know, Gilala as like a five <laughs> issue miniseries, but still to this day, it's like, I still look at these things. I'm like, I can't uh, believe they produced this. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, around the same time, Treadmasters got on it. Like, Hey, we, like got our Godzilla line selling like hotcakes. Let's start doing Gamera. And unfortunately, like that whole company came crashing down, like around that point too. Well, no actually no, I take that back two years later after, um, after, uh, Tristar uh at least their mess and left poor masters, you masters know, you know holding the the debt in their hand of of all that mess but they you know that gap yeah. like and yeah. trend made really cool looking Gamma figures you just couldn't find them like even today they're still like a it's like you see one in public you're like oh my god i found a unicorn <laughs> but there was nothing to push there were the movies were in japan and they weren't coming out here i i I mean, I don't think ADV, I think it took ADV like another uh, 2001 or 2002 before they all finally got like a mainstream release. I mean, you could even buy that tape when it came out. It was a rental copy. It cost like 90 bucks for anybody to buy.
2: Yeah. And for those who like want the comics, are afraid of eBay prices or yelling out my eyes, um, I believe the box set by Arrow has.
1: Has the, the whole it thing.
2: has the whole thing including Matt
1: Frank's including including uh, Matt book. Frank's and a little thing that uh, I found out like last week uh if you look i believe it's in like issue three in the letter section a a very young very spry matt frank ha- as Matthew Frank wrote yes. in to the to the comic book there he's in the letter section yes
2: yeah. so th- there's also a letter section if you reread it a twenty two year old gentleman whose first name I think was actually Chris. He wrote something like I don't really know a lot of kaiju friends, so if you would like to write to me letters so I can meet new friends mm. pre-internet. Please, this is my address because they printed out your address. Like I know that dude doesn't live there anymore, <laughs> but a part of me realized this now and was like I want to write to this guy. See what see what's oh. happening. Like, see if we can find- What's going on? I know. It's like I I'm so sorry this pre-internet time where you didn't like, he was trying to make friends, and I thought that was nice that they printed his letter. But a part of me was like, oh, write to that man.
1: I just see Jessica like reading this last night, going making notes, and then just like, oh, I'm just one single tear just rolling. Out. <laughs>
2: just and, like, no, it's like I you, want you, friends you poor too. Poor
1: man. It's like I'll just come and give you a
2: hug. That's all. Just feel loved. Uh, yes, so, and thank you for everybody that was like tuning in this whole time.
1: Yes, thank you guys. I know we're the last ones. Thank you. And I want to thank Kyle, if you're still out there, man. Uh, thank you for inviting us onto this whole thing. This whole weekend has been...
0: I am still out here, Absolutely you
1: phenomenal. <laughs> you pulled a freaking miracle.
0: Well, you know, miracles, that, those are religious things, and I'm not really religious, so... I just belong to the Church of Godzilla. That's me cracking a beer, because you guys yeah. are the last yes. panel.
2: And he Thank did you, so ma'am. much work. And I apologize, my face is getting darker and darker and I just never got up to turn on these <laughs> lights. I was tanning as I was uh in this panel, but
0: Nice, nice. Well, I hope you guys had a really good time uh presenting the Dark Horse yes. retrospective. We did. For did a camera. you have,
1: did you have a nice time with our incessant rambling?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I always have a nice time with your incessant yes. ramblings, you guys? Mm. <laughs> That's uh that's our that's our MO.
2: I'm going through all the amazing comments. Thank you everybody for commenting.
1: I yeah, I've been barely I've been like I keep catching things. I'm like someone just said, Hell yeah, Ben Riley. I'm like, Yes. Yes. He he knows. he yes, knows.
2: Yes, Xavier Ray. He's actually been to mm-hmm. our panel at San oh, Diego Comic Con. Yeah. <gasps> He's been to our panel.
1: Um it, that's supposed to be next week too. Oh mm-hmm. um, yeah. A lot of things. Yeah. But again, shout out to Kyle, man. You like this is I mean, this is parting the seas right here. You, 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 I can't believe you put this all together.
0: <laughs> uh, Well, you know, I had a lot of help. And I'm just going to, mm-hmm. you know, nope. since you guys are here on screen with me, I hope you guys don't mind if I use you as my no crutch proper. so I'm not literally the only thing on screen talking to the camera ahead, right man. now. This is uh, your show. But uh, so I just wanted to say thank you to everybody who helped make this happen. I know that I did a lot of planning and I did a lot of work behind it. But really, I could not have done this alone. Uh, I'm not going to go through and name everybody because if I do that, I'm going to forget people. So you all know who you are. But one of the things that really made this entire experience worthwhile was the, the ability to just say you know what? I know somebody that does that and reach out and say, hey, dude, would you be interested in doing that? And because everybody has been stuck at home or not being able to go out and everybody everywhere is sick of not being able to congregate. I think this just sort of like culminated into such an amazing event because it's not just the stuff that I did. It's the stuff that Everybody out there coming in to watch these things, I have been more than pleased with all the all the responses. Just about everybody has been a gem in the comments and watching live and like really, all the even on social media. I did look, Chris. I did see the thread you were talking about, and I must say you are correct. My hat it doesn't mm. fit as well as it did earlier today, but. <laughs> Honestly, this whole thing has been worth it to me to see that sort of outpouring of support from the fans and from people who love giant monster movies. There are so many more people out there than just one convention, and I'm glad so many people got to experience it. If I may uh, quote,
1: if I, if I may paraphrase one real quick, because it, okay. it, it really does sum up this whole experience this weekend. Uh, I forgot the gentleman's name, but he said, look, I've never gone to G-Fest. I've always wanted to go. And I've always heard such great things. This has Aww. been I, I get it now. I get why everyone loves because this is the camaraderie everybody loves about this whole thing. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And this that sums a, it up best. Awesome.
1: That that right there is this whole weekend.
0: Super yes. cool. It's so super hats off good. to you, sir.
1: Well,
0: Hi
2: Robert Vergara. Hmm.
0: Hats and off be- <laughs> to you guys too.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. And Kyle, before I forget, Chris yes. has been really great on keeping up our social media. Could you tell us where our social media is before we forget? Could we are you? on Facebook, Chris. We are on. Oh, Facebook. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Yeah, No, Kyle. No, no, no. Yes, I. That was my way of apologizing to you, yes. Kyle, for interrupting.
1: For interrupting you. Yes. Shameless plugging right now. Uh, we are on Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify now under the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Uh, if you don't use any of those, you can direct directly download us. From PanzerCrush.com, and uh, we are also, if you want to talk to us, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Twitter, our Twitter handle is just the Kaiju Kingdom. Uh, Facebook and Instagram are the Kaiju Kingdom podcast as well. Find us on there if you uh, want to have any questions. You have any questions, anything at all, just or even want to say hi, just hit us up there. We're always on.
2: Yes, thank you, Alex and Megan and Robert for saying hi and tuning in. I'm just reading last
0: minute. So. I'm scrolling through some of those comments myself. Oh, thank uh, thank God, Kyle. Thank a, you lot guys. Of, <laughs> a lot a lot of, of people, people love obviously you. Seemed like they had a really good time this weekend. Uh thank you all for tuning in. Hey, I seem to see Gretchen in there. Uh yeah, you know, honestly this whole thing has been it's been a blast, you know, and it was I like I like doing work to make cool stuff. So let's keep making cool stuff, right? Yes. All right, I don't really have anything else to say. This has been an amazing experience. I hope we don't have to do it again next year. But if we do have to do it again next year, I'll have a lot more time to plan. Well, if anything, <laughs> if anything sir, this at least opens the
1: door to broadcast from GFest now. I think that this would be an ability for a lot of or a lot of panels to be able to to share out there with a lot of people who couldn't make it to that show.
0: I think this adds a new wrinkle. So I will I there's a there's a wrinkle in your wrinkle though. Okay. And I don't know about the new hotel. Maybe the new hotel has a way better setup. Yeah. But even just the ability to broadcast from any panel room or any convention room is usually dependent on there being good internet Internet. connection. And Mm -hmm. so I mean as much as I would love for that to be the case, it really depends on the venue and depends on not just the venue but the the actual convention and how much put how much they're willing to put into the tech angle of things you know and luckily luckily i i think i said this during the opening ceremonies i'm just really good at making things look pretty tight for very little money so oh, yeah uh, yeah thumbs up if uh, by the way everything all of the panels were being streamed through a uh, all except for the Kaiju Live one, which was on their own channel. All of them are using StreamYard, which is a service that Collect All Monsters has paid for, essentially, which is why I've been able to use it. It gives us all the cool fancy graphics. I love it. And it it has been a power horse. I was really afraid that I was going to be working this thing to the bone by doing panel after panel after panel, which is essentially live stream video over and over and over again. But the the whole tech aspect of things worked super well. I was really happy, uh, and yeah, this is if if this has to be the wave of the future, I'm happy to be one of those people to ride that first wave, man. Yeah, I mean, you've inspired me to up our game too. Like, I'm definitely I'm
1: getting into this, so. Cool like, man. Oh, like you're like, it, what, what's the terms like? Rising seas raise all ships. Like yeah,
0: I love that term. I really mm-hmm. love that term. I've, uh, a friend of mine in town, the uh, way back in the day, we used to talk about this uh, group called the Portland Geek Council, and he's he's the one who introduced me to that phrase: a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. And so the idea was to to feed the community, feed the yeah. geek community. And here, just that's like a local thing here in Portland, like have all the geeky businesses, have all the geeky people reach mm-hmm. out to each other and, and lift the, it all up. And I was like, wow, what an inspirational way to look at a community. And I think I sort of, I tried to adopt that throughout the rest of the Kaiju cast. And yeah. um, I mean, I yeah. I I think it worked because obviously we wouldn't have had such a community outpouring yeah. over this weekend. And it's it's really been great. I mean, and I don't really and need to say too much more, right? No, that's it. I think, <laughs> I think that's
1: the perfect way to end it. So,
0: yeah. all right, everybody watching live, you guys rule. Everybody who came this weekend, you guys rule. Uh, I don't. I'm gonna finish my beer and I'm gonna go hang out with my wife and my puppy and uh, watch some something probably not kaiju related for the <laughs> night. <laughs> but uh, you guys, we'll see you around. Don't forget to check out all this cool stuff bookmark things uh kaiju con line website will stay up i'm not going to take it down there's no reason to take it down uh there's uh, the somebody asked in the chat if the virtual dealers room is going to stay stay open and i guess the deal is i'll have to talk with the people who are vendors in that in that room and see how they feel about it because i don't want to just cancel their their items, That's that seems weird even though it seems more like a real world kind of thing to do uh, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, we're going to keep all the information up, keep all the links up so if you saw somebody that you liked over the weekend who was doing a live stream please make sure to follow them please make sure to continue mm-hmm. reaching out and grow that community yes, okay, that being said thank you, you guys have been thank awesome you. thank you Chris, and thank you Jessica and thank you KaijuConline thank, Kaiju thank
2: you